0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barricchini. And Peter... If we sound a little bit different tonight, it's because we are trying something new. We're recording on a Sunday night instead Mm -hmm. of Saturday or Sunday morning. We got, uh, I know I got the beers flowing on this side, so that'll hopefully loosen me up a little bit because we (laughs) have a lot to talk about. Um, But uh, prior to getting into that, um, just want to let our listeners quickly know that with so much news this uh, this episode, we're going to run through the news as quickly as possible because we do want to get to our Maple Leafs talk. There's two big trades that we're going to talk about with the Leafs, but uh, there is still a lot of hockey news, and we don't want to leave anything out of the mix this week. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, we have a great guest, um, as uh, we got Paul Hendrick on the show to talk a little bit Maple Leafs and a little bit of his legendary career. But first off, how is it going with you this week, Peter? My mind is blown right
1: now, considering the fact that and I know we usually record uh, early morning on a Saturday or Sunday, but delaying it right now was probably the perfect time because we just got news of what are the trades happening as we were just getting ready to record. So this is perfect timing for everything. And I'm doing good, man. It's just, wow. I'm really excited to what we have in store for this episode right now because, yeah, the trade deadline day, man, um, a lot is happening it before the day of, but hey. Trades are trades, man. Everything is going on right now.
0: Yeah, and there was a lot of talk this season about possibly not seeing as many trades, seeing as the uh, cap uh, was very stale at the beginning of the season with COVID Mm -hmm. obviously hitting uh, the financial side of the game very hard. That said, uh, there's been a number of big moves, and um, you you mentioned it in one of your recent articles about the Patrick Kane loophole and the Leafs kind of toying with that. On top of that, we've seen more three-team deals this year than we've seen in a while because yeah. there's a lot of uh, retaining salary cap, and that's that's been a huge factor in these these trades. But we will get into that in just a moment here. First off, I want to start off with uh, obviously we'll go through the signings this week as well, um, and uh, it's going to come at you fast. So. Listen in closely, folks, because this is a lot of information that you're going to be taking in in the next, let's say, 20, 25 minutes. There will be a quiz after. There will be a quiz after. And first, <laughs> I want to shout out to Cap Friendly, obviously, for putting together our list of uh, of uh, signees over the last week. Uh, we'll start yes. in Nashville, where Grant Mishmash signed a two-way deal, uh, entry-level deal, obviously, two years. First off, great name, Grant Mishmash. Um, in Florida, former Maple Leaf Mason Marchment signed a standard deal, a one-year contract worth 800000 Jan Maisik signed his entry-level deal with Montreal, a three-year at two point seven seven five. dollars uh, Linus Weisbach signed a two-year entry-level deal with Buffalo. Ilya Sol- Solovyov signed a two, uh, three-year entry-level deal with Calgary. Maxime Marushev signed a two-year entry-level deal with Vegas. Ty Emberson signed a three-year entry-level deal with Arizona. Tanner Pearson signed a three-year deal uh, with the Vancouver Canucks, worth 3.25 cap hit. Um, great deal for him over the next three years. Cole Kaler signed a one-year deal, the goaltender's 22-year-old, with Winnipeg. Ken Appleby signed a two-year deal with the New York Islanders. Simon Lundmark signed a three-year deal with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Nick Sweeney signed a one-year deal with the Minnesota Wild. Walker Dewar signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Calgary Flames. Josh Healy signed a one-year deal with the Nashville Predators. Cody Golubev signed a one-year standard deal with the Ottawa Senators. And, of course, Nikita Gusev, who had his contract recently terminated by the New Jersey Devils, signed a one-year deal with the Florida Panthers. I guess nobody told Gusev that Florida is where players go to end their careers. But that said, it's a one-year, $1 million deal. Uh, We'll see what he's able to do with the Florida Panthers. As I mentioned, a long list of signings. We're not going to dive too much into that. Um, We will mention some milestones here as well that happened over the last week. Sam Bennett played in his 400th career regular season game. That has gone by so quickly. Uh, Mark Giordano recorded his 500th career regular season point as an undrafted defenseman against our Toronto Maple Leafs. Former GM Lou Lamorello passed Glenn Sather for second in GM wins. Patrick Marlowe is now 23rd on the NHL's all time goals list. Patrice Bergeron hits 900 regular season NHL points. Former Leaf Connor Brown um, just set a new Sens record for the longest goal streak in team history. Connor McDavid uh, tied uh, Bobby Orr for the fourth fewest games to reach 350 career assists. Absolutely unbelievable for him. Rasmus Dahlin with 100 NHL points in his uh, his young career. Phil Kessel is now the fifth longest Ironman streak active, I, I should say active Ironman streak. And Vegas's Max Pacioretty played in his 800th NHL regular season game. So a lot to take in there. As Peter mentioned, there will be a quiz at the end of the show. <laughs> Um, that said, uh, we're going to quickly jump into injuries as well. Obviously, Brendan Gallagher, broken thumb out six weeks, Carrie price out until they, they're saying next week, we'll talk a little bit more about this guy in just a moment, but Riley Nash out four to six weeks with a lower body injury. Marco Rossi seems to be continuing to recover from his COVID-19, uh, diagnosis, mm-hmm. Over in the KHL, Alexei Emelin has liver failure. will get a transplant, uh, hopefully soon. Boone Jenner out six weeks and the rest of the regular season and Blake Wheeler out indefinitely with a concussion after a hit from the younger Tichuk. I'm going to catch my breath for a second here, but <laughs> take uh, a drink if you need to, yeah. man. Holy, lots, lots going on in the lots. NHL. And a lot of this is happening in like the last three or four days. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, other news around the league, the Canucks are looking to return to play uh, April 16th. They are likely going to start practicing within the next week, which could mean that they will be seeing 19 games over the next 31 days. Um, that's going to be crazy for them. Very. Um, we we want to talk about a little uh, NCAA. Cole Caulfield was awarded the 2021 Hobie Baker uh, Award as the top collegiate player. Uh, the uh, Jack LaFontaine received the Mike Richter Award um, as the top goaltender. Uh, the Sabres did claim Drake Kajula off waivers, so good uh, good pickup for them. Not so great for Kajula if you're looking at the future of your career. <laughs> um, as for the Blackhawks, they uh, they did buy their AHL affiliate, the Rockford Icehawks, for $11.8 million and signed a 15-year lease. So have fun with that um aside from that i think it's time that we sorry sorry two more notes we will jump into the trades in just a second but jacob mcdonald uh, was suspended two games also michael mccarron was suspended two games for a hit to the head um i mean we could go on for days about the inconsistency with the nhl's Mm -hmm. department of player safety because we did see uh we did see, obviously, you know McDavid's elbow to the head, and and that was a simply a five thousand dollar fine. So yeah, uh, it is what it is. We've we've uh, kind of you know beaten that one down as many times <laughs> as we can. So I'm not going to get too far into that. Um, one thing I do really want to talk about before we get into the trades is um, obviously congratulations to UMass. Uh, they they are national champions for the first time. Um, you know, obviously dealt with some COVID early in the tournament and, uh, we're able to, uh, you know, come out of that, um, on the other side of things, Humboldt Broncos, uh, obviously us being North of the border, we, we, you know, we feel for those in Saskatchewan, it's three year anniversary this past week. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable, uh, that it's been three years already. Um, the fact that uh, the fact that you know it it is it is what it is, and and obviously you know you see how many people are still affected by it. But um, on Twitter every single day, remembering those that they lost in that uh, that uh, you know just I, I don't even have words for it. It was just no. a. It was such a tragedy, such a tragedy and so many young lives lost that, um, you know, to, to, to think back that it, it's been three years. I mean, you and I have talked about, uh, you know, we, we've got a guest hopefully coming on in the next, uh, next few weeks that mm-hmm. uh, can give us a little bit more insight into the Humboldt Broncos, uh, tragedy, but, um, you know, that, that really brought a community together and, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that it's been three years already, Peter. Uh, Yeah.
1: It's, um, you really don't have any words, even after three years that it happened, you're still in shock and awe that something could happen to such a great team that has had been instilled such great values to, you know, um, put community first, be respectful for everyone around you. And, to see that happen to them, it's, it's still, it still hurts. I mean, no matter what, um, you know, uh, going to a, ter- going to a playoff game, riding a bus, um, that's what, you know, it's basically the hockey dream, you know, you live to go and play the game, travel the road and do those things. That's the, that's the lifestyle. And then, you know, something as simple as that, it was taken away. It, it, tragedy struck them. And we can't say anything else. But, you know, our hearts are still with the humble Broncos, those that have passed, those that are still with us today. And they're still sharing their stories and still just getting the message out. And, uh, yeah, it's three years I mean, I, re- I remember hearing the news and I'm just like, there's no way that this can happen. Right. But it did. And then everyone's jaw just dropped at the whole hockey community riled around each other. And I, I, that's why this community is so great. You know, if something happens, everybody comes together to show their, you know, their sympathies, their emotion and everything around that. So, um, yeah, three years. Still thinking about the humble Broncos. Those that have left us and those that remain with us were always here, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I remember, uh, as you mentioned, I remember, you know, the the putting the sticks on the uh, on the the balconies and and putting yeah. the sticks on the on the um, the porches and just, uh, you know, solidarity. Letting, let, solidarity, and that's mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, we 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 recently had a a tragedy here in London where um a building that was being worked on collapsed on a bunch of construction workers and Mm. um the community put uh you know those those highlighter type vests those reflective vests out on their porches and it just reminded me so much of the humboldt uh um tragedy that it just you know it gave me shivers the way that it 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 all kind of happened but um. Yeah. Just. I mean. It's crazy to think that it's been three years already. And I know mm-hmm. you've read uh, Caleb Dahlgren's uh a book already. I've picked Perhaps. it up. I'm. I'm very. Very much looking forward to to diving into that. Um, but uh. You know. Obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things that you just. You, you don't want to see. You don't want to see Never. and. and you can't, uh, I don't know if there's really words um, even three years removed from it. And and I mean, we weren't even personally affected, mm-hmm. but there's still no words to really describe the feeling that overcomes you when you you experience or, or witness or see something like that happen to anybody. Yeah. And to those who lost somebody that day, to those whose lives were changed... You know, no time will, ch- will, will, um, you know, fill that hole, but you've got a, you've got a full hockey community behind you. And for the rest of your lives, yeah. um, we all stand with you in, in hoping that this never, ever happens again to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we, we miss them as much as you guys miss them. And, and, um, you know, hopefully, Hopefully you can see the solidarity that that you know your loss has brought to to a world and a community that uh, you know needed those people so much in, in their lives. So again, three years, crazy to think that it's been three years. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, will never we'll never forget, and that's mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. We will never forget. Never. Um. I'm going to jump back to the NHL news and obviously with the trade deadline tomorrow, Monday, Mm -hmm. we expect more moves. Maybe not for the Maple Leafs as we seem to have filled a couple holes, but we're going to dive into the Maple Leafs in just a moment before we do some other big moves from around, uh, around the NHL. Um, and we'll dive right into that as we get going here. Um, I'm going to start off with the April 7th. We go back to April 7th. New York Islanders acquired forwards Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for forwards A.J. Greer and Mason Jobs. A first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, we will come back to that in just one moment. The, um, following that, the Blackhawks acquired Brett Connolly and Henrik Borgström along with defenseman Riley uh, Stillman and a 2021 seventh-round pick from the Florida Panthers in exchange for defenseman Lucas Carlson and forward Lucas Walmark. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth when we get to the Maple Leafs talk, but the Maple Leafs acquired forward Riley Nash from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a 2022 conditional seventh-round pick. The Colorado Avalanche acquired forward Patrick Nemeth from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a fourth round selection in 2022. The Colorado Avalanche also acquired goaltender Devin Dubnik from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for defenseman Greg Paterin and a fifth round pick in 2021. Uh, The Florida Panthers acquired defenseman Brandon Montour from the Buffalo Sabres. Lucky for Montour, he's out of Buffalo uh, in exchange for a third round pick in the 2021 draft. The Tampa Bay Lightning acquired David Savard from the Columbus Blue Jackets as part of a three-team deal. And this is kind of what I talked about before with the three-team deal and uh, a lot of uh, salary retention um, that involved the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for the Lightning's first-round pick in 2021 and the third-round pick in 2022. Um, New Jersey Devils acquired defenseman... Jonas Siegenthaler from the Washington Capitals in exchange for a conditional third round pick in 2021. The Montreal Canadiens acquired defenseman John Merrill from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2021. Uh, And forward Hayden Verbeek. And again, our Maple Leafs acquired forward Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets and forward Stefan Nosen from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a first round pick in the 2021 draft and a fourth round pick in 2022 draft going to Columbus and a fourth round pick in the 2021 draft going to San Jose. On top of that, you mentioned a couple trades just coming over the wire. The senators Mm -hmm. traded Mike Riley, who's having a tough year in Ottawa to the Boston Bruins who are in desperate need of some defense (laughs) in exchange for a 2022 third round pick and the Maple Leafs once again, traded for David Riddick from the Calgary flames in exchange for a 2022 third round pick. So before we get into the Toronto trades, as we will a little bit later, let's talk about some of the bigger trades that have happened over the last week, leading into the NHL trade deadline, the Palmieri Zajac trade. What do you have to say about that?
1: Before I get into that two more deals just coming across right now. Um, The Senators have acquired a 2020 2022 seventh-round pick from the New York Islanders in exchange for Braden Coburn. So Braden Coburn is on the way out from Ottawa. And Bob McKenzie dropping a bombshell. LA Kings will be retaining salary on Carter, Jeff Carter, and receiving a couple of conditional draft picks from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Jeff Carter is going to Pittsburgh.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um... Where do I start? Do I start with Jeff Carter? um <laughs> like, this is this is crazy. this is uh this is the trade deadline, you know. um I mean, I'm just gonna start off with the Palmieri because that was the first one that you mentioned. I mean, Islanders mean business, and it's evident today because I believe Palmieri scored on the power play in their win against the uh, New York Rangers. One three two, 3 Palmieri, ninth of the year on the power play. And that's the reason why they got him. That right-handed shot on the power play, be that, you know, offensive presence. And this is a guy that once put up 25 to 30 goals. And this is a big win for them as he could be a real impact player. And the major surprise was Zajak. I mean, not a whole lot expected him to go, but any time that you could bulk up your center depth, it, it, it's another it's never a bad thing especially if we're going into the playoffs so the islanders in addition to adding Braden Coburn as well i mean solidify that uh, that blue line i mean Braden Coburn himself is you know he, he he's, he's a pretty good defenseman he could shut it down very well um he was essential for the tampa bay lightning um in their cup run so you know not a not a bad thing to have a standing cup winner on your roster for the islanders and you know what? Um, the key for the devil is getting the first round pick for them, it's probably going to be another. It's going to be a late round pick, but you know what? To stockpile on, if you're in a rebuilding mode, even if it's in a weak draft year, never a bad thing to get another first round pick on your hand.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, what was crazy about this is obviously Zajac being a long term, long time Devil. Yeah. Um, going, you know, across the river to uh, the Islanders. Um, you know, it, it's crazy. It, it's, it's such a close, close trade, um, to see those guys go just, just to New York to the Islanders. But, uh, you know, you, you, like you mentioned the, the Islanders mean business and, and you know, they've had such a successful season. I don't think people gave them enough credit coming out of the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the COVID summer, um, um. Yeah. That uh, you know they could be a, a legitimate contender for the for a Stanley Cup, and, and they 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 had a great playoff run uh, in the bubble. Um, that I don't think people. I, I'm I'm kind of shocked that people didn't give them enough credit, and I mm-hmm. I for one am, am one of those guys. I I didn't give them enough credit. Yeah, and they're playing very Barry Trotz. They're playing very Lou Um Yeah, it's just. It'll be interesting to see how these guys fit in. And obviously recording Sunday night, we've had an opportunity to see some of the games happen today. Kyle Palmieri already scored his first goal as a member of the Islanders. So he is fitting in quite well right off the hop. Um, Working out very well. Working out very well. And obviously, you know, Zajac's a Lou Lamorello type of guy. um, Obviously brought him in. So, um that's that's huge uh uh, he obviously liked what he's seen um over the last few years and and uh what he can bring to the islanders lineup so that'll be interesting to watch um as you mentioned another one that i would love to talk about is is uh jeff carter heading to the pittsburgh penguins and um it's it's crazy because we haven't seen a lot of, you know, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic raised the question this afternoon. Um, have we kind of let Sidney Crosby fly under the radar this season? Um, obviously, sixth in NHL scoring. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's having a relatively good year. Crosby having on on pace for, I believe it was a 92 point season or 96 point season in 82 games. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are not really talking about the penguins, not really talking about Crosby. Now they pick up Jeff Carter. Is this team looking for one last run with the core that they have?
1: I mean, we talked about this early in one of our earlier episodes too, is time running out for Crosby, Malkin and the pens. Um, I, I guess this is one. Obviously, they, I think they're trying to go for one last-ditch effort. But I, at the same time, um, acquiring Jeff Carter right now for them to insert him into the lineup. Obviously, you're going to try and fit him in on the top six. Possibly play him on Crosby's wing. I mean, where where else would you want to put him, right? You want him to succeed. So try and I trying to get numbers up on my computer is being really slow right now but um trying to add him in i thought they were going to try and get a bigger you know bigger free name maybe a taylor hall he's still on the market right now so i think maybe they see something in jeff carter that you know it's worth the price it's worth the chance um 19 points eight goals 40 games played so far um 751 points throughout his career i mean he's won two cups uh with the la kings why not give him that other chance that chance right now with pittsburgh again they're they're doing pretty good right now Uh, they had a bit of a lull where maybe they had a slow start but now they're they're gaining traction right now and uh, if this is it why not go all in and bring in uh, another former you know 30 40 goal guy that could get that had 60 points, he's not gonna get you that right now. But you know, he if you put him on Crosby's wing, Crosby does all the work and Jeff Carter's just gonna be there. So um I think it's a good move. I would have thought maybe Taylor Hall would have been on their radar but hey, you know, it's random right now.
0: Yeah, I mean Carter's definitely no schmuck and and for him to, to be added to a lineup that already includes you know the names that it does i mean i think it's yeah. a great ad by by the pittsburgh penguins and for for cheap um and, and as i mentioned before with the business side of the nhl being what it is right now with with covid having such an impact i mean for them to retain the salary that they did it, it seems that's the way that things are happening right now in the nhl and and this could be carter's last ditch effort for that third stanley cup and and it could be a last-ditch effort for the um, for the Pittsburgh Penguins to make that run for yeah. another Stanley Cup for Crosby as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in, but I think it's such a great acquisition for him uh, or for the for the Pens, and uh, it'll be it'll be crazy to see that lineup on paper because uh, you know you talk about that lineup with Carter maybe five years ago, and, and man, that oh, would be. man a scary, scary lineup.
1: That would not have been fair. And if it was Carter on to Philadelphia going over to Pittsburgh with that rivalry going on, oh, man, that kinda would like, have been something.
0: Kind of like Hextall going to the, the other front office. Yeah. No,
1: I, that, that's exactly what it <laughs> would have been like. Wow. That's a that's a really good point. I, I
0: that just completely slipped my mind. Um, but uh, another one we should quickly jump on is. Um, I'm I'm kind of joked about Brandon Montour getting out of Buffalo, but uh, definitely a huge opportunity for him. Um, You know, obviously Buffalo is a sinking ship right now. We saw Eric Stahl, you know, head out of town. Um, We we kind of joke about the fact that one of these days you're going to see Jack Eichel leave. You're going to see, you know, guys like that want out of Buffalo. But, Brandon Montour headed to the Panthers. um, Florida, obviously having a phenomenal season. Um, What does he bring to a lineup like that?
1: I'm hoping he could try and find his offensive game because he has the tools, but it really hasn't quite developed at both, you know, when his time in uh, Anaheim and his time in Buffalo, then again, nothing really worked out for anyone in Buffalo. But, um, with, with the injury that happened to Aaron Ekblad, I assume that you're still going to have Mackenzie Wieger and Keith Yandel lead the charge as, you know, their go-to defenseman. And I think it just gives him another body, maybe insert him into that depth role, third pairing kind of role. Um, hopefully he could try and get uh, get his game back because there was at one point where, you know— the Maple Leafs are like fans were talking that maybe we should try and acquire Brandon Montour because he did have good puck moving abilities. He does have that skill and the speed. It's just the execution and converting on his chances that really hurt him over the past few years. And I'm just trying to, Again, my computer's really slow right now for some reason. I'm going to need a new one really soon. <laughs> but um his, his uh, 32 points in 2017-18. That's when he when, you know, he was put on the map and that's when I think that was towards you know, kind of the end of the glory years for the Anaheim Ducks where they started to decline right after that. And then 25 points right after that, still very respectful. But after that it's just 10 points, 18 points, 14. So he's been struggling to try and just break that 20-point mark. I don't know if he's going to do that again. Um actually with the 14 points that he has right now, he could if uh, you know um he he has a chance to succeed right now on a on a legitimate playoff contender, maybe Stanley Cup contender right now. Um Florida's in a really good spot. He's in a good spot to succeed and I think that's all that Panthers fans uh, should uh, expect from him.
0: Yeah, worth noting that uh the the 25 points in 2018-19 um, also preceded 10 points in that same season with Buffalo when he was traded. So yes. he actually did have 35 points 35. in 82, 82 games over that season. Realistically, it's just his sixth season, as a twenty, and he's now 27. Mm-hmm. Um, still, I mean, technically a young player who definitely has the ability to put up, you know, 30, 35, maybe even 40 points for, for the Panthers. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Obviously, anytime you can move out of a city like Buffalo in terms of what they've been able to do and provide for him as a player, um, you know, it, it's going to be a great opportunity for him to succeed in Florida. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a new start. It's a fresh, uh, fresh season for him. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be crazy to see what he does. Um, two more trades I want to touch on before we jump over to our guest, I want to touch on the David Savard trade because this one gets a little complicated when you look at all the ins and outs of it. And the Devin Dubnik trade, the Devin Dubnik trade we'll touch on very quickly here. Um, Big move. Obviously, Philip Grubauer having the season of his life right now. Um, You want to talk about Vesna candidates. I always say Jack Campbell is deserving of the nod, but (laughs) before him, there's Philip Grubauer who's, who's off to an unbelievable start. Devin Dubnik having a little bit of a tougher time with the San Jose Sharks. Now 34. Um, hasn't had the greatest start with the Sharks. And and I think this is a big move into in saying where his career is kind of going now as as he'll likely be the backup in Colorado. Obviously, Colorado last season saw you know two of their goaltenders go down. Michael Hutchinson eventually came in as the relief in the playoffs. Um, but uh, maybe they're readying their, themselves for another run uh, come playoff time with Dubnik as the backup.
1: Yeah, they wanted that death. I mean, let's face it, Philip Grubauer is like, what, what What can you say? You can't say anything bad about the way that he's playing right now. And that he's the reason why, you know, if he wasn't injured last year uh, in the playoffs, I would have thought that Colorado would have probably been the team in the Stanley Cup final over the Dallas Stars, because I think that maybe if he was healthy, it would have been a completely different story. And with Pavel Francus, uh, Francus, uh sideline, he's on LTIR, 2 million cap hit. You want to get that stability in net, and you want to try and have someone with, you know... he's ha- uh, Devin Duminick has had a really good track record in terms of his numbers. It's just recently, it just didn't start to go right for him. And... Looking at his numbers right now, after he had a 923, say, percentage in 2016, 17, 2.25 goals against. After that, it slowly started to decline, went to still respectful 918 and 913, but the last two years, 890 and 898, so just below 900, not going to do you much any good with that kind of goaltending as we've seen this year with, you know, Frederick Anderson and the Maple Leafs, but going to a team right now where you have a good defense in front of him if he gets any chance to play i'm just very very certain that he's going to thrive no matter what um again the san jose sharks are in their own kind of rebuild rebuilding state right now so good news for colorado to buff up their goaltending and a guy who had pretty solid numbers for you know a good stretch of like four or five years so um can't go any can't do anything wrong there and then if he if anything does happen, you have Dubnik to rely on if there is another injury.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, I don't think Dubnik's maybe got enough credit. Uh, you know, obviously, San Jose's uh, had a rough go all around. We mentioned he's 34 years old, and in 17 games this season, he's got a 3-9-2 uh, record with an 898 save percentage, a 318 goals against, and one shutout. Um, that said, you know, playing for a team like Colorado can really turn things around for him and it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. And and as you mentioned, obviously Frank Hoos is on the, on the LTIR. So bringing in a guy like Dubnik could really, you know, give this team the extra push they need because we all know this, this Colorado team is a contender. They have been year in and year out for the last few years. Um, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon with the prospects they've got coming up the pipeline. So Joe Sackick obviously doing a phenomenal job out in Colorado. Um, the last one I want to talk about is David Savard. And, and let's talk about the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, let's. Not let's only please. are they, yeah, not only are they already phenomenal. Uh, but now they bring in a guy like David Savard from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And this, this is kind of what I was talking about before, and we'll get into the Patrick Kane loophole in a second. But uh, the David Savard trade is a perfect example of what we're seeing right now with the cap, the way that it is in a three team deal with the Red Wings eating up a little bit of salary. And and this is very Iserman of the Red Wings to do um, picking up some of the salary, but Basically, here's here's how we'll break down the, the trade. Tampa Bay gave up a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 third-round pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Savard. On top of that, they sent a 2021 fourth-rounder to Detroit. Now, the Blue Jackets retained half of Savard's uh, $4.25 million salary cap hit, and the Red Wings got involved and picked up another quarter of it to help the salary cap strapped. Um Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning so with that all said the Lightning are only paying 25 percent of Savard's salary and get a stay-at-home solid defenseman in David Savard is this is is this what we're coming to in the NHL with these kind of moves if teams have
1: the salary cap and they want to be nice then yeah I mean um, I would love for this I mean Not necessarily love because, you know, you're now starting to see teams kind of abuse this. And this deal really hurt my brain big time trying to figure out who went where, what was going to what. And this is the difficult thing with uh, three team trades where you try to, like, look at it piece by piece. And I'm not sure. I I don't want to see this be, again, I don't want to see this be abused nonstop by other teams. But then again, if teams want to jump in and help another team out, if they do have cap space, because, you know, these are tough times. With a flat cap, nothing's going up for quite some time. Go right ahead. But as you mentioned, you know, Tampa Bay got a really solid defenseman in the process. I mean, already Spore, one of the best defensemen in the league right now, and he's a typical shutdown defenseman that you would want on your team no matter what. And it's clear to see why he was sought after. I mean, I, 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 w- I was hoping that maybe Toronto could try and be in on him. But for a team that has kept most of their key players from the championship from last year, this is a hell of an addition for them where they're just only paying over a million in salary where both the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings retain it. And it's, it's great to keep the salary low because when the time comes and Nikita Kucherov comes back, they don't have to worry about the salary cap because once you hit the playoffs, that's free game. You, you you don't need a salary cap then. So if they were scary without Nikita Kucherov, Nikita Kucherov and David Savard beforehand, you got to be scared right now because they're going for a repeat right now.
0: Yeah, I think the crazy part is that, um, you know, Detroit only took – it only took a fourth-round pick in 2021 for Detroit to eat uh, – you know, a quarter of his of his salary, and I think mm-hmm. that's the that's the crazy part about the whole thing. So they're basically eating up uh, one point zero six two million dollars. So just just over a million dollars, I guess. Yeah. Um, of David Savard's salary, essentially that's what the Lightning will be paying uh, Savard once it's all said and done. Uh, is just mm-hmm. over a million bucks, and they get a guy who can really solidify that that blue line. On top of the fact that they will get Kucherov back, likely for the up for a playoff run. Um, I mean, it's just crazy to think about how this will all unfold. But I mean, that's 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 the way that it is right now with the way that the cap has has kind of taken the hit. Um, the way that teams are right up against that number. Uh, it's just, it's crazy to think that this is ha- this is kind of how it's all going to unfold. That said, I'm like you, I don't really want to th- see it abused. I think there's some GMs out there that don't want to see these, these rules kind of, you know, it, it, it is a loophole essentially. Mm-hmm. It is a loophole. And, and that's what the Patrick Kane thing is. And the Patrick Kane thing is, Hey, we've got an injury, you know, throw them on an LTIR, all of a sudden, that eats up or, or that opens up cap space for you to make a deal because you know that guy's not coming back till the postseason. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've got, you know, maybe a monster team because of what you've been able to do. And, and obviously, you know, it's named the Patrick Kane loophole because it was used by Chicago and Stan Bowman um, a few years back to bring in guys like, Andrew Desjardins, uh, Antoine Vermette, and yeah. Kimo Timonen. So they helped them out tremendously. They did. And a great piece, uh, I'm going to selfless plug here, great piece by <laughs> myself to explain the Patrick K. loopholes over at the Hockey Writers. Um, it, it is very interesting. And, and as you mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier in the show, you kind of touched on that in your Riley Nash piece that uh, we'll get into in a little bit uh, with the Leafs bringing him in.
1: I'm just gonna but, say this Victor Hetman, Ryan McDonough, Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Cernak, Cal Foot, Jan Ruta is still on L T I R and David Savard. It's Back scary what teams are going to have to go up against.
0: It's scary. And then if you get past them, you still have to face uh Andre Vasilevsky. Exactly. So, um, yeah. A repeat, maybe. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm thinking. I'm thinking but, that
0: this this year's playoffs are going to be fun to watch, and uh, don't don't uh, don't underestimate what you're going to see in the Tampa Bay Lightning after their, you know, Stanley Cup run last season. So, very big news, obviously this this week. Um, we want to get into the Toronto Maple Leaf talk in just a moment. Before we do that, before we get to our guest here, I just want to make one quick note as well. I I forgot to mention this as well in our in our. Uh, our NHL news, our hockey news from around the, the world. Digit Murphy of the Toronto Six obviously made headlines this week with her comments about the trans um, community. Um, and obviously I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Uh, that said, I do know that the NWHL is very highly involved in creating inclusiveness with mm-hmm. um, the LG. BTQ community um and, and acceptance in the game of hockey so um you know the Toronto Six did release release a uh, a quick note about the uh the comments that were made the incident that happened and uh you know obviously if you want to read that you can head over to Twitter and follow the Toronto Six uh, but uh digit murphy has been removed from the uh i I guess the post that she had with with the Six and and uh, obviously, you know, we here at the Sticks and the Six promote inclusiveness. We promote, mm-hmm. you know, the game of hockey is for everybody. And uh, I know I played when I was a kid. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's room for everybody in the game. So yeah. remember that, people, when you're listening. I know some of you like to argue every single thing that you hear out there. You just have a counter argument for it. Don't argue this please there's inclusiveness in the game for everybody mm-hmm. whether you're whether you're straight gay, lesbian, trans, whatever you are doesn't matter. Get involved in the game. Hockey is so much better when people are having fun and enjoying the game itself. With that said, I am honored to have had this next guest on the show. I want to send it over to one of my favorite people listening to growing up as he showed yes. the the Toronto Maple Leafs night in and night out for CBC. Let's send it over right now to Paul Hendrick. Folks, I'm honored to introduce our next guest. His voice preluded the drop of the puck for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the better part of two decades, and he was the an integral part of Leafs TV until his recent retirement. Like those before you, Mr. Paul Hendrick, I'd like to welcome you to Sticks in the Six. Thank you very much
2: for coming on. Thank you, guys. Pleasure uh, to talk hockey any month of the uh, year and any time. So, obviously, this is a good time.
0: Absolutely. And we got trade deadline coming up. But first, I want mm-hmm. to talk with you about your uh, legendary career. I mean, <laughs> I, I mentioned to you uh, when I when I chatted with you a little bit at uh, the Combine one year that, uh, you know, watching you kind of prelude the games and with those little... Uh, those little um, intros was uh, part of my uh, part of my growing up. And I, I loved every minute of it. And I tuned in every year, wanted me to wanted to make me a, uh, a sports broadcaster. And, uh, you know, you started off in Sault Ste. Marie and, and eventually made it to, you know, covering the Leafs and, you know, what, what kind of
2: journey was like or what was the journey like for mm-hmm. you? it it was one of passion i think and, and one i always uh believed in once i realized i was not going to get into law school with the uh, um average at u of t of somewhere around c minus and really not be interest i you know you always think on paper hey this is going to be the career for me um I, I was no way interested in such my daughter's a lawyer now knowing and how hard she's had to work and how dry some of the readings that she's had to done uh, to do she's she's got a mind for it i didn't um but i ended up uh getting into ryerson and uh but i remember i'd finished my four years at U of T, and, and and at the uh, ryerson interview um whoever the uh, guidance counselor was or ad- admitting person he said why do you want to come and do another four years get into some sort of short program Or cable uh, and that's what I did and and I went to a a career Canada college course um, six months. I quit after six weeks because I got a job offer in Sault Ste. Marie and it was two years and three months in the Sioux, but I was a year in news. Uh, and then got a chance to go into sports. But in news on Monday night, so I got to cover city hall. Tuesday night, it was um, a school board. Wednesday night, it was public utilities commission. I was off Thursday and Friday and I did weekend radio and television news on Saturday and Sunday. And then uh, it was a real break to get into sports finally. Uh, a little over a year after that, covering the Sioux Greyhounds, and 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 all the fun that went with Terry Crisp and Ron Francis and John Van Beestbrook. I mean, I can go on and on, but that year spent in news covering all things like can you imagine water hikes on Wednesday night and and rezonings on Monday night at City Hall and and the closure of Sioux Collegiate, uh, a famous famous school uh, at a school board meeting in October of of. Uh, Um, that year, 1980 or 79, I guess it was, it was all great experience. And then into Hamilton and and eventually getting a chance to join the Maple Leafs. I know I'm getting a little winded here, but the opportunity finally to join uh, the Maple Leafs and, and get to do it for almost 25 years, an absolute privilege because I grew up cheering for that hockey club in Northern Quebec and uh, uh, even to this day at age 64, I pinch myself at the opportunity for having been given that opportunity.
1: Yeah, Paul, it, it seems like you mentioned your aspirations for law school and then something else just came up your alley and this was like the perfect opportunity for you to run with it. And, yeah. you know, and, and it seemed very perfect because of the fact that, you know, you are synonymous with the Maple Leafs community and Leafs oh. Nation. Um, take us what, uh, like, what's it like to be Um, that voice and that icon that many have looked up to for so many years? Because I remember going to hockey games, myself coming back, trying to watch the Leafs game, seeing you on the screen.
2: Uh, Just take us like what it's like to be that kind of person and a a role model for others. Well, you know what? You never really think about it. You get up every day, you prepare for morning skate or a game or whatever it is. And then lo and behold, uh, you know, some 25 years later, you hear what you're saying and thank you very much for those kind words it really does mean a lot to me i mean that sincerely um, but you never think about it you've always got a challenge on that particular day whether uh, it means catching that flight getting to practice always being prepared um, but above all realizing just how fortunate uh, i was to be able to get to do this for as long as we did i just had a conversation with Howard Berger just a week ago and 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 we talked about it, and you know the limited few of us who have had a chance to to travel and cover the hockey club um, it's something we'll never forget. It's something not many of us got to do, and it's it's certainly something that we never ever took for granted. So to get back to your question, you live in the moment, you work hard in the moment, um you go through strep throats, flu bugs sinusitis. I mean, all these things that we all get to do, but you've got to be able to go on camera and perform at a high, consistent level. And although it didn't always work out that way, um, those tough, tough days were few and far between uh, just because of a, a mental will to get through it. And eventually know that once you get to the summer, you're going to be off for a couple months and you can rest and relax and recharge. It was a grind a lot of the time. I'm not gonna kid you not, um, but it's something I would never trade whatsoever. And the friendships and the experiences that I got to make um, is something that I'll cherish, cherish forever, especially now that I'm in a situation. um, uh, Where I'm at now, uh, retired, doing a podcast, uh, it's certainly not the same, obviously. Uh, but I'm very much enjoying this current season. I haven't missed a minute of Leaf hockey because this is a talented, entertaining club in which to watch. And, and my fingers are crossed with what they might be able to do this year. It
0: truly is. And, uh, you mentioned Howard Berger, but one guy I, I want to ask you about is, is, uh, working alongside a guy like uh, Joe Bowen. Um, mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of talk about, you know, from Leafs Nation wanting to get him back on television. And, um, yep. you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Joe's and, uh, You know what was it like working with a guy like that? Who, who again, another another guy who's very synonymous with uh, with the Toronto Maple
2: Leafs. I did play by play at CHCH in Canadian University Football and Basketball uh, for 17 years. To do what Joe does as well as he does, we all take it for granted. Um, I got to do a game for him. He had laryngitis a couple of years ago. We were in Montreal on a Saturday, in New York on a Sunday. And I knew when we were flying down to New York that next day, it didn't look good. And Dave Cadeau, then the program director at uh, the FAN, called me and just said, are you able to do the game tonight? You never say no to these opportunities, right? Uh, Whether you have doubts whatsoever. And then I would called a lot of games in my life, but I really hadn't called a game since 1998 but it was just an opportunity to do it. And I remember after the game was over, after the first period was over saying to Jim Ralph, oh my God, you learn to, to develop and speak from within as opposed to using just your, your, your throat. Um, but I hadn't done it in such a long time. And I was, my, my voice was so beat up. So to see what Joe does and to call the play and to sense and feel what is going on putting himself into you the listener or you the viewer uh it's an it's a natural talent that he has Uh, he's just incredible at what he does he is the voice of leafs nation and although many would love to see him back doing his thing on television uh and i included and i'm a big fan of chris cuthbert and jim Houston. they're good friends of mine Uh, joe is the voice of toronto Maple Leaf hockey always has been always will be uh, until His time comes that somebody else is going to have to fill his shoes and then a new generation comes on. But Joe's just an incredible talent. He works very hard at what he does. He has a sense of what the game is all about and being able to channel that to, again, the viewer, the listener is a unique talent, unique uh, to very few, but certainly to Joe and and for all of us who grew up working with him or listening to him, uh, it's an absolute privilege because he's the best. I love listening to Joe. Uh, on radio when i'm in the car i'll never forget a game in ottawa the game where the leafs were on the ropes about to get beaten now it might have been 2002 or three uh Domi's taken into the side boards uh, bleeds leafs come back win it and then win it in game seven but to hear him call the game and the god bless you boys and the block shots and to hear that in radio i remember i was on the gardener coming back from a telethon in Hamilton for the Children's Hospital that I co-hosted and I was just the hair on the back of my neck was rising and like, but Joe, right? He carried us. He, mm-hmm. he carried the team, but he carries the listener and it's, it's a unique, unique talent. Uh, he's an iconic guy and to, uh, to have had the opportunity to work with him is so special. And of course we're in contact all the time. So he's a good friend.
1: Yeah, he paints a picture for you if you're not there and you're not able mm-hmm. to watch it over the radio. He, his voice, he just does such a tremendous job with the holy mackinaws and everything yeah. like that. It's, it's so great that you still have that connection with him. And you mentioned that, you know, you're, you have your own podcast in the works and we've seen images of it on social media, especially on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that going for you and what led you to start that
2: uh, venture? Well, I, it's just too, you know, when I decided to retire mid-July, um, I wondered, I'm not ready to, to hang it up just yet. I have too much experience and, and knowledge of, of what's going on. And, and what I've always loved has been the opportunity to sit down and, and do an interview. But with what we had, it was a minimum three, maximum five minutes. Here I get a chance for 40 to 45 minutes to sit down with somebody and really get to know them. And that to me was intriguing. Now being able to do that, you've got to count on contacts because we do one a week. I'm currently visiting my daughter alongside my wife and I've taken a two week break, um, but I've already had shows lined up beyond this. It's a lot of work. Uh, When you sit down and and, and speak with somebody, you're not going to scratch the surface. That's not the way I do things. So you're phoning people, you're texting people, I need information on this and and I need information on that. And then you get to sit down, you formulate the interview, you conduct the interview and all of a sudden it might veer left, it might veer right. but you've got a framework with which to go back to and and try to entertain, uh, inform and and more importantly than anything else, make sure that the subject you're talking to is engaged with you. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but hey, I'm not doing a lot else right now, except watching, and enjoying uh, Toronto Maple Leaf hockey, TFC football, and uh, Real Madrid soccer as well. Um, and, and the Marlies and all that go with it, but uh, a chance to, to be able to um, get somebody's trust and, and speak to them for 40 to four, 45 minutes um i find it very very rewarding and i'm going to continue to do it uh, uh, into the foreseeable future uh, it's, it's meant reading a lot of books i'd never had planned on reading before uh, but it's been fun we just did a, a an interview with daryl boyce uh, daryl was decent hockey player not a superstar by any means however uh every everybody has a hockey story and we got sitting down i got a hold of his coach uh, Gar- uh Uh, Gardner McDougall at University of New Brunswick, and boy, there were so many things that came out of that that told me things about Daryl, and we sat down for 45 to 50 minutes, and Daryl knew I'd done my homework, Uh, and it was just a great piece of storytelling between the two of us. Uh, I was very proud of it. Um, You know, we had great hockey players on, the Ken Drydens of the world, et cetera, You know, Doug Gilmore, et cetera. But Daryl's a guy from Summerside, Prince Edward Island. Uh, much like all of us, a story to tell, and uh, it was great to get research done on him. And and I and I think it's it as entertaining a 45 to 50 minutes as any of the other 29 uh, episodes I've put out so far. Um, albeit uh, Daryl, not a superstar, 84 NHL games, but still involved in the game of hockey. And um, uh, you know his transition from the island to Toronto into the National Hockey League, and, and I was there when he made his debut, and uh, I enjoy that part of it. So just the chance to, to get to know people, uh, this podcast allowed me to do that.
0: Yeah, you mentioned getting to know people and, and just having those contacts, and one of the things that I, I really, um, you know, thought, thought was very impressive upon your retirement was uh, one of the comments that came out was Matt Stajan on Twitter saying, you know, what an impact you had, uh, him being a player in Toronto, and and what you meant to the players in Toronto. What was it like for you to build that relationship with those players that you see on a day-to-day basis?
2: It's a challenge and not because of the players or because of me, it's because as you mentioned, it's every day and it's every day for eight to nine months. And not every day is going to be going great. There are gonna be some days where players, we all have our bad days. So, how, as a journalist and a journalist at one point in my career, working for the hockey team, still maintain my credibility, still maintain that of the player or coach involved, and still tell the story credibly, I, I found that challenging. Um, and many, many times there were times where, you know, people were jumping on in on various various things that I I, I just didn't feel we had any part of, or nor did I want to be a part of. Um, I, I just thought it was media and social media beating up on on various athletes in Toronto as they like to do when things start to go bad. So uh, as long as I had the players respect, they knew there was no ambushing. Uh, they knew where I was coming straight up. Um, and, and I'd always preface it by with all due respect and then ask the question. Uh, you know, and I've told the story before. It's kind of old now, but I'll always remember it. And it's, it's, you know, the Leafs have lost seven straight games. Luke Shins on the ice, the opening minute of play. Florida scores, last minute of play. Florida scores, Leafs down 2 nothing after 20. We've booked Luke for our first intermission interview. Um, and my producer, Mark Askin, indicating to me, as Luke's coming off the ice, he might blow you away. And I said, no, he won't. So then I've got to think, okay, Here's a guy who's thoroughly, you know, national television, embarrassed for himself. How do we do this to provide credibility for both him and me? And, and it's, you know, I, I just said, hey, Luke, uh, you know, what what's happened out there is done. How do you and your teammates regroup in the room right now to, to find a way to win this game over the course of the next 40? So I, I allowed him to share it because it is a team game after all, but Luke, to his credit, I just said, what happened out there is on me and I've got to go inside that room and I've got to apologize to each and every one of my teammates. It was a human moment. And, and for me, with 30 odd seconds to think in my brain, how am I going to turn this into a credible situation for our viewers who certainly know what they're talking about and watching uh, and make both of us you look respectful of the game and of each other. Uh, I was very proud of that moment. And Luke, of course, never let me down. And, and he he never forgot it as well. And to think of, you know, what Stage was saying. I mean, Matt's been through some ups and downs in Toronto, eventually getting traded on on that Sunday to Calgary and Dion coming Toronto's way. Uh, these are guys who are good people. They're just good people. So you've got to treat them well. Uh, Alan McCauley. Uh, Tommy Fitzgerald. I I mean, I can go on and on of just legit, legit decent people. So you treat people with respect. They will treat you with respect. Yours and their jobs get done. It's as opposed to anybody here on Twitter with a fake name, no photograph, (laughs) and just punking. Like, piss off. Uh, I have no time for any of these people. But social media allows them to do it. They're a part of the deal. And I respect that. But to be able to come to work every day when things get rough and they've been rough with toronto more than not uh and, and you know steve simmons is another guy who's taking shots at people but i'll say this for steve howard Berger, those guys always show up in the room they always show up in the room they don't hide behind a keyboard and whether you agree with what they've had to say or write uh, i respect them because they've always showed up and confronted that player uh in Person. So to get back to what you're doing, it's been a challenge over that amount of time, but I think ultimately it's just having respect for the other person and the game in general, uh, which has helped make that possible and allowed me to leave uh, in decent fashion last July uh, with my head held up high and, and looking back on a career that I'm very proud of.
1: And I think you just summed it up perfectly. It's always about the respect, the respect for, you know, whether it's uh, the players themselves, the fans, when they're criticizing Mm -hmm. players and everything like that. And Leafs Nation is a very passionate fan base. They cheer when they're winning and then they jeer when things aren't going their way. And it's, it's an endless cycle, no matter what, but um, you, like we've seen some interactions with you where fans are really like, it's one thing to critique a player, but then you come in as sort of like a voice of reason to try and put them in their place and say, you know, yeah, exactly. Just just take it down a bit. But what do you think drives this uh, passion in both comments and criticism so much to a point where it does get out of hand? And what do you say about that?
2: Well, I think it's the fact that we, uh, as a group, have not been able to cheer on a Stanley Cup champion since I was 10 years old, and I'm 64. So you guys are young. You can appreciate <laughs> that, you know. Uh, and I was on a show, and somebody, we were talking about the Leafs this year, and I was I was saying, hey, this defense is going to be better. Um, it's a contract here for Freddie, uh, but Freddie's got to stay healthy. This was talking to Myrtle and, and Siegel of the Athletic back in early December Freddie hasn't been able to stay healthy, but the defense and Brody's been excellent. The addition of those veteran guys, uh, especially in the room, has been excellent. Um, And uh, this one other guy was uh, on a show with us saying, Well, you know, but they still haven't won a cup since '67. I said, Well, the previous regime's inabilities to win championships has nothing to do with this year's team. This is a clean slate. The canvas is fresh. Uh, the other thing is, is like that, you know, young, talented cores in their fifth year with the Leafs. They've never not played in some form of postseason. They're ready to go. And we're seeing it in Austin's 200-foot game. Uh, Mitch is just Mitch. He's just so <laughs> outstanding. Uh, JT takes so much heat. But John Tavares is a leader. He's a, he's a hell of a guy. And if that's our second center here in Toronto, Leafs Nation has to feel very blessed. So uh, to get back to your question, just frustrated because it's been a lifetime, so many generations since the Leafs last won a Stanley Cup. And until that happens, I think you're going to see it. And I think fans have a right to, to feel somewhat frustrated. But I, as you've mentioned, every now and then, you're not going to win them all. Just everybody take a deep, deep breath. Right now, this Leaf team is currently in a queue of, of Six or so other teams that, if things go right and you get the goaltending, uh, that they've got a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup, and it's something we really haven't been able to say uh, since since Pat Quinn's teams, and you know uh, even the best of I mean Pat Quinn's teams. I remember Pat talking about uh, near the end of his career with the Leafs, those great great teams, not able to win, and how frustrated he was. Well. This group has so much unique elite talent. They've got a shot at it. Um, I'll be honest, I I never expected uh, Jack Campbell to do what he's been able to do. I I knew he was going to be a good supporter, but he's reaping the rewards of a better group in front of him. He's been in a Los Angeles team, at least from a backup perspective, to know what has to get done, knows what can be done. And I think he sees potential with his current group. Uh, I think the Leafs, as they stand right now, are good enough to win two rounds in the north, and then we'll see from there. Uh, But I think they're going to have to add a player or two to be able to compete beyond that. But still lots of hockey to be played left. Winnipeg's great. Uh, Edmonton, as we know, uh, they've got their drawbacks, but they've got those two guys. Mm -hmm. And, And Montreal is always going to compete with Toronto. So Uh, it's a good time to be a toronto maple leaf fan Uh, they're not there yet but they're knocking on the door and they're rapping pretty hard
0: i want to jump back to your your career for a second and Mm -hmm. i know there's probably so many memories to to kind of file through but is there one or two moments that really stand out to you as you know career highlights for yourself
2: uh, you know, it's funny, I've been asked this before, and I've always forgotten the opportunity to call a game. And the reason I remembered, it, Howard Berger was doing a piece on his blog about Toronto Maple Leaf play-by-play guys on radio, and he thought it was you know, Foster Hewitt, Ron Hewitt, Joe Bowen, and I forget who else, but I said, well, no, Todd Crocker's done three games. I did a game. Uh, John Abbott's done a, a year of games, and he'd forgotten all about that, and uh so that game at madison square garden uh to do it even though the leafs lost 4-1 they outshot the rangers like 56 23 kasperi Kapanen scored the goal and i didn't screw that up which i was grateful for but it was just a beautiful vantage point to call a game you don't have to look at the monitor whatsoever you're just on top uh, of the ice uh, it detroit and montreal are great places in which to watch and call games from um, but that was good. Being on the ice with Mats when, um, you know, he recorded his uh, 1,000 point, being named three, the game's three stars, uh, being on the ice, being able to talk with him, um, having him uh, feel comfortable with me, having known me for, I guess at that point, 12 or 13 years, that was a highlight. And getting the opportunity from Ron Harrison Sr. of Molson Sports and Entertainment, you know, when you're offered a job, like it's, Wow. Like, and it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, you know, I grew up in Naranda, Quebec, Dave Keon's hometown. And I'm going to get a chance to host games for the Toronto Maple Leafs, knowing how hard I worked, um, how, you know, in terms of sacrifice and hours spent away from a family, uh, the support they provided to get that opportunity. And then once you get the job, hoping you can keep the job. Uh, I remember Coming Tiger Woods at the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey in Oakville. And when the offer came down, and I remember saying to my wife after leaving CHCH after you know almost two decades that if I still have this leap job by Christmas, I'm gonna feel lucky. You're confident, but you're not so confident because you've never done it. You've never been to all these buildings, you haven't worked with all these different floor directors, producers, cameramen, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now to look back on it, uh, that to me was a, was a highlight, was getting the call from Ron and asking me if I'd like to come and host Toronto Maple Leaf Hockey. Uh, that I will never forget. And then of course, the subsequent great times, Matt's on the ice at, at the Air Canada Centre and getting a chance to call an NHL game uh, for Joe at Madison Square. Uh, those are three really big highlights.
1: Paul, just one more. I, I, I don't know how, how you're going to take this or if there's an answer that you could give, mm-hmm. but you said that you, the last time the least won a championship is when you were 10. The closest yep. that we've seen was back in 2001, 2002, where they just lost in the conference final to the Carolina Hurricanes.
2: In your honest opinion, when can we expect a championship possibly? <laughs> well, I said this to Myrtle and Siegel in December. The time is now. So this team has enough in the cupboard or fridge door to say, okay, we've got a chance to put together a really good meal tonight. Now, is this going to be a meal we can knock our guests over with? We'll see. So I I think they've got to add a player or two, but I think they've got enough to get to the final four. And by that time, you got to win eight games um i mean Colorado's obviously good but there's a lot of other teams and it's a long way to get to them we'll see what the health of all those other teams are but it starts in nets they've got to be relatively solid in nets and right now fingers crossed they are um, that blue line is as good as we've had in a long time and i know last summer when when muzzin went out that was it i knew that was it uh now that you know they, they've added brody they've added bogosian um they're a confident group back there Justin Hall after playing uh the better part of a year uh, and that top pairing a year ago now solidified in with that second pairing and Jake he's upped his game I mean three years ago he was a healthy scratch for 71 games that's no fault of his own that's where Babs thought he should be and and that's where he was Uh, so I just think there's so much better uh in the back if Jack can stay relatively healthy if they can add Add some help because I'm not sure where Michael Hutchinson fits in, um, whether that's going to be enough. Um, And again, I think the guys up front have had enough experience, especially the elite three uh, who've been for here for this will be a fifth consecutive playoff. You throw in John Tavares there as well and and the rest of the supporting cast. Yeah, they've got a shot at it. Are they going to win it? Uh, The odds are no, they're not. But they've got a shot at it, and that's why I think we all should be very excited about what lies ahead, especially in the next few days, to see what Kyle is able to bring to the team. But if not able to do so, my only concern is can Jack Campbell stay healthy? Because I think the rest of the team and the defensive concept of hockey that they are finally playing now for Sheldon uh, gives them a chance not only to win the North, but maybe to go further.
0: Well, Paul, we don't want to take up any more of your time. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully, we can get you back on at some point down the road. Um, everyone that's listening, tune into uh, Paul Hendricks' uh, new podcast and be sure to uh, tune into ours as we uh, continue to progress here as well. But, uh, Paul, stay safe, enjoy your family time, and uh, uh, we look forward to hopefully talking to you down the road.
2: All right, guys, thanks for your interest in, uh, in me and uh, what I've done. Uh, it's it's uh, it's certainly uh, humbling. Thank you Appreciate again, it, Paul.
0: Well, Peter, um, I mean, what can you say about that uh, that that interview? Um, obviously, I said it before. I was honored to have him on. I remember the days growing up with him. Uh, you know, kind of with those slick lines leading into the the intros yeah. of the of the Maple Leafs puck drop. Um, I wanted to mention it on the show, but uh, not to him, maybe. But I remember my first time meeting Paul Hendrick. I uh, went for a little trip down to Columbus to see the the Blue Jackets and the Leafs at Nationwide Arena and uh, had a few bubblies in me and went down and met <laughs> him in the Zamboni Tunnel. And I know I reeked of uh, I reeked of beer, but uh, that was a highlight for me. And for to get him on this show, I mean you mentioned it he's synonymous with maple leaf hockey and Mm -hmm. he is truly truly a, a humbling person to talk to um you know thank you to paul for coming on and uh as i mentioned at the end of that interview we would love to get him back on to tell us more stories from uh you know his experiences with the toronto maple leafs but uh yeah just you know, great interview and hopefully we will have that up on YouTube very, very soon for everybody yes. as we're heading over to the YouTube channel as well. But yeah, thank you again for to, to Paul Hendrick for coming on. It was it was an honor to 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 you know get a chance to talk to you about your legendary career.
1: Absolutely. And he he, again, he he was the voice of uh, aside from Joe Bowen, Bob Cole and all the other greats. He was someone that you would put on that, you know, Mount Rushmore of Toronto Maple Leafs broadcasting grades. I remember like, you know, watching the game so closely and then seeing him and the way that he just spoke eloquently. Like he was a wordsmith and everything that he said was golden. And to have the opportunity to have him come on, it was, like you said, it was absolutely just a great honor. We're very happy to have him.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And a perfect lead-in to our Maple Leafs talk. As we mentioned, there was so much news in the NHL, in the hockey world this week. It didn't stop when it came to the uh, the Maple Leafs. I will obviously uh, run through some of the quicker notes here, but we've got so much to talk about. Uh, Morgan Riley uh, jumped into the top 10 in defensive scoring on the franchise's all time, or sorry, top 10 in games played uh, for the Maple Leafs um, on the all time franchise list. JT recorded his 800th career point. obviously Alex Galchenyuk got his first for the Leafs, which was a huge moment. He's also no longer waiver exempt. So the Leafs can't put him on waivers anymore. So there's going to be an odd man out with Felino coming in. Um, Jack Campbell sets a franchise record for wins, uh, consecutive wins to start a year. He also sets an NHL mark with his 11th um, mm-hmm. consecutive win to start the year. Like, like, absolutely unbelievable what he's been able to do for the Maple Leafs since Anderson went down with that. There has been very little talk of Frederick Anderson and what's going on with him. All we know it's a, lo- all we know is it, is that it's a lower body injury. Yeah. Uh, and that things seem to be progressing. We don't know what it is. Uh, we don't know any timeline. But welcome to the Toronto Maple Leafs, David Riddick. Um, <laughs> that said, um, obviously, again, Riley, 7th all-time on Toronto's uh, defensive scoring. Austin Matthews became or jumped into the top 15 on Toronto's all-time goals list. And he also became the 13th NHL player to score 30 goals in his first five seasons. He also became the first American-born player to do so. So great, uh, great stuff from Austin Matthews. Obviously leading the way in the NHL goal race right now. Uh, some smaller notes: uh, Rodion Amirov signed a uh, an extension, um, and uh, Kokenins also signed with Lati of the, the Liga. That said, there is a quick thing I wanted to talk to you about prior to getting into the busy trade week that we had with the Maple Leafs. Milan Lucic's hit on former teammate TJ Brody in the Calgary game. I wanted to get your thoughts on that because there was a lot of chatter on the Twitterverse regarding that hit.
1: Ah. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> um, I mean, let's face it. He may not have used his foot, but he did take Brody out from between the legs. I mean, he you, he didn't, like, do foot on foot and trip him. He did take his legs out. Um, obviously, that's not considered a slew foot, but that is a trip in my book. And if you take him out like that, with either if it's with your stick, your leg... You grab onto his arm and he fall, or you grab him with your arm and he falls over. That's tripping. Um, I mean, and it, and the fact of the matter is, it happened right. It always happens right in front of the referee. They do nothing and at least a chance. And this time it led to a goal. So I'm I'm just gonna refer to my comments about the officiating from two episodes ago when we talked about Tim Peel. <laughs> And I'm just going to leave it at that because this is just getting ridiculous, man.
0: Yeah. Um, so my thing is, like, the Lucic hit, the way he went in with his leg kind of extended behind Brody, mm-hmm. I personally think it was a dirty hit. I don't think Lucic was looking to be a dirty, you know, obviously former teammate. Like, you don't expect him to do something yeah. like that against a former teammate. I don't think it was intentional to be dirty. I do think it was a dirty hit. Yeah. Um, That said, the officiating is all over the place. You and I both have talked about this on countless occasions. I continue to make the jokes about Tim Peel on Twitter. I will continue to make those jokes about (laughs) Tim Peel on Twitter because it's just so easy. But that said, I mean, I don't know what to expect from from NHL officiating anymore. and None of us do. No, and it it is kind of a sad reality at this point because – you're at a point now where you just, you kind of throw your arms up and just, you know, you're not surprised. And I, I think that's the part that kills me the most is that I'm not surprised when there's a bad call. I'm not surprised when there's a missed call. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I'm kind of just, uh, you know, annoyed, angered. annoyed. I'm not even angered anymore. It's more just like, okay. Yeah. Whatever. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, expected to happen it is what it is yeah it's just it sucks it really just sucks you know i think you mentioned it at one point there's a rule book in place for a reason and Mm -hmm. it just seems like i mean when the hell are we gonna follow the rule book here's my thing if this
1: stuff continues over into the playoffs you're gonna have the teams barking at the nhl nonstop. I mean, you want to I mean, you want to let us slide in the regular season, fine, whatever. But if this stuff happens in the playoffs and it gets out of the control like it is right now, you got to do something. And you're going to hear it from not only the players, but the coaches, the general managers. And I'm hoping, you know, Gary Bettman actually finally realizes and says, you know what, we got to do something. I don't think he will, but he should.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's there's far too many politics and. Hell, that's why I stopped playing Rep lacrosse for Oakville. Too many politics. Uh, mm-hmm. At a certain point, you just kind of get tired of that shit, and you just want to you just want to play the game. So, um, with that said, let's get into the biggest news of the week. We've got Riley Nash. We've got uh, Nick Foligno. We have uh, Stefan Nolsson. We have David Riddick. Um, we mentioned the trades already, but what I do want to mention is that Nash was brought in, thrown on LTIR alongside, uh, Frederick Anderson. Again, I think it's the Patrick Kane loophole opened up enough cap space for the Leafs to go out and get a guy like Nick Felino. Yeah. That said, Nick Felino, that was part one of those three team deals that where the Leafs will only be pl- paying him a quarter of his salary. Yeah. Again, a great move, obviously. I mean, to bring in a guy like Nick Foligno uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get uh, the hockey writers, Mark Shag on at some point next week to talk about Nick Felino and what an impact player he is. Um, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, he started his career in Ottawa and in, will now have an opportunity to play against the senders once again um, with Riddick.
1: Yeah, as soon as Nash was placed on LTIR, and then Anderson was placed retroactively before, and then they wanted to check something out before they made the Nash acquisition. So there was a little bit of a complication there where they wanted to put him on LTIR, then they took him off, put Riley Nash in order to see if everything added up. I, this is like way too much math for me, so I'm just going to leave it to Kyle <laughs> Dupas and, and Brandon Pritham because wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the I love the Riley Nash deal because he was a thorn in the Lease side when the Lease played the Blue Jackets in the bubble last season, and even with the Bruins in 2017 18 and. I thought that maybe he would have been a really great sign when he was a free agent. I was actually hoping that Toronto would sign him because he's a reliable defensive forward. He's got great awareness, speed, not going to chip. He could chip in offensively every now and then, but it's a defensive game that stood out the most for Dumas. And then this deal paved the way for Nick Felino, which is where, you know, more of the salary retention comes in. According to Cap Friendly, um, Columbus Blue Jackets and both the San Jose Sharks each retain 50% of Foligno's cap hit, but San Jose is only paying 25% of the initial 50 that they paid or that they're willing to take on from Columbus, and then Toronto's paying the other 25, which equates to the 1.375. If my math is correct, I, I believe it is because cap friendly. Uh, just looking at the salary retention right here. is retained by Columbus. The other 2.75 is retained by the San Jose Sharks and, or the initial cap hit for the San Jose Sharks is going to be 2.75, which is the initial 50 or the first 50. And then that cuts in half for both 25% for the Leafs and the San Jose Sharks. I hope I made sense there, but yeah, the way that they're doing this right now is just so clever um, how they're managing the cap. And this is this is going to be big, it, depending on what was going to happen with Frederick Anderson, how they were going to manage the cap. Because let's face it, with Frederick Anderson in the lineup not being put on LTIR, there's no way this can happen without that. So you brought in a reliable 3C or 4C in Riley Nash. You brought in a physical, gritty type of forward that can play a two-way game in Nick Foligno. And you even added some depth with Stefan Nosen, who can still bring that edge. He he definitely won't put up the points like Felino. Uh, but still something, somebody that you could have in a death role, insert into the fourth line if you need to. And then you get to me, this is came the, the David Riddick came out of nowhere. It literally came on five minutes, five, ten minutes before we even started recording this. And a lot of talk picked up. Or everyone is already pointing at the fact that what does this mean for Frederick Anderson? Is he done? Is he going to come back at this point? That is the biggest question out of this whole entire thing. Is Frederick Anderson done?
0: Yeah. Um, first to touch on the Felino deal, uh, there's there's a great article by Luke Fox on, on Sportsnet right now uh, about how His heart chose Toronto. And um, for those who obviously are are younger and don't really know, um, his father, Mike Felino, played for the Maple Leafs. Nick will also wear that number. uh, I believe it was 71 that uh, Mike wore in Toronto. We're not going to
1: mention another player that wore 71.
0: It's just going to be Nick Foligno. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, Felino did also mention that he had skated with Austin Matthews a little in the U.S. program. Uh, he knows Captain John Tavares a little and had long admired Joe Thornton from afar. On top of that, he sees some of himself in friend and former Senators teammate Jason Spezza. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, – I- Obviously, you know, kind of cup trade chasing a little bit uh, here with Felino as well. Obviously, sees a great, great team, and uh, you know, Felino did hold uh, a ten-team no-trade list, and for the fact the fact that Toronto was an option uh, goes to show you what it means to him to. You know, be able to to become a Maple Leaf and follow in the footsteps of, of his father as well. Um, that was uh, that was worth noting. But um, going off your point, yeah, the, the the Riddick deal is is interesting because Riddick this year, while he's only one and two, sorry, one two and one in the four games he's played against the Toronto Maple Leafs this season, his numbers are pretty staggering. 941 save percentage against the Leafs 206 goals against as well as a shutout um the that is is pretty incredible for what he's been able to do against a I mean for me a a powerhouse Leafs offense um so I mean part of me thinks like man this is Toronto just saying you know what we don't want Calgary to stand in our way anymore let's go out and get (laughs) David Riddick but it does bring up the question of Frederick Anderson. And look, I'm a huge Frederick Anderson fan. I'm a huge Frederick Anderson supporter. I would love to see Freddie succeed in Toronto. That said, the injury, there are so many questions surrounding the injury right now. Um, this was a contract year with Anderson, and who knows how negotiations are going to go in the offseason. season with with the fact that he hasn't been able to play a full season uh, in a contract year, my guess is that negotiations are going to be very very different from both sides.
2: Absolutely. Um,
0: Anderson obviously will expect, you know he he's had a good a good run with the Leafs. Uh, that nobody questions that. Um, obviously couldn't get it done in the playoffs, nor could the team but the team's going to look at this year and what have you done for me lately?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what he's done lately is not impressive. It doesn't justify a six, seven, eight million dollar contract. It justifies maybe a five, maybe a five and a half million dollar contract. And I don't see Anderson kind of, you know, going for that. So, the fact that they brought in a guy like David Riddick, the fact that they have a guy like Jack Campbell, who's been able to go out there and really dominate the way that he has. And even when he's looked bad, he's looked. He's you know, kept the team in. He's kept the team in it. Mm-hmm. He's made some big saves down the stretch. Even when he gives up four goals. Um, I mean, you've got the one, a one B. And at this point in time, that's the way the NHL is kind of going. The 1A, yeah. 1B, even in Montreal, you talk about Carey Price and you talk about Jake, Jake Allen. Allen. You mm-hmm. talk about Caden Primo now coming up in Montreal. It's a 1A, 1B system, and I I think it's a great move. You know, you, you gave up a third-rounder. Calgary also retained 50% of his salary. Yeah, So, I mean, the way that Dubas has been able to bring in these names and these guys and not be paying them that much – you know, the Patrick Kane loophole is still live and Toronto is jumping on that train right now. Definitely.
1: And even the retained salary, just going back to the Nick Felino thing. Um, yeah, the Maple I the, here here's the thing with the Nick Felino trade. A lot of people love the trade. A lot of people love the fact that, you know, he is that strong leader, he has that presence, he has the grit, he has he has everything that the Maple Leafs are looking for based on what's going on this season. They're better defensively. They got in a better winger who could play a defensive game, but still move the puck up and kind of be a thorn in people's size, kind of like what Riley Nash was. And we all saw what Nick Felino did in the playoffs last year, you know, six points in 10 games. And we know what happened. You know, the Columbus Blue Jackets went on, the Maple Leafs didn't. And Nick Felino was a key factor in that game alongside, obviously, Pierre Luc Dubois, Zach Wierenski, And a a few other players. But here's the thing. A lot of people were questioning the fact that they gave up a first-round pick. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about this on our draft show. This is the perfect time where if you're a team like the Maple Leafs, even the New York Islanders, you're probably looking at a late first-round pick where it's going to be in the 25 to 32 range. Can that pick amount to something? Absolutely, But if you're a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, where you have four solid prospects right now in your system, and I'm big up to Kyle Dubas for not moving Sandine, Robertson, Lilligren, or Amirov, even though that he put a top prospect on the table, he moved no players whatsoever. Prospects, roster, anything. The fact that he was able to give up a first-rounder this one time, even the first-round pick like he did for Jake Muzzin, that pick essentially w- didn't really matter because now they got Nick Robertson with their second-round pick. So they have a second-round pick that they can still utilize to draft someone, maybe another Nick Robertson. We don't know. But that first-round pick, you can afford to give it up if you're in Toronto spot. You don't need to hoard all of your first-round picks if you want to keep it for next year or the year after that, because those are going to be two really good drafts, go right ahead. I'm all for that. But the fact that, you know, some people are saying that, oh, you know, you you want to hang on to your first round pick. It may amount to something. If you're going to go all in, go all in. Tampa Bay did it last year for Barkley, Goudreau and Blake Coleman. Look what happened. The Stanley Cup champs. You got to pay that price. And now this is the perfect time for the Maple Leafs to do that. And they did that with the Nick Felino deal. And I still think that I would give up the first round pick as opposed to if they wanted an Amirov, if they wanted a little grin. I was always going to be, we talked about which prospect they could lean towards trading. But my first goal was to get rid of that first round pick because you don't know what's going to happen this year. It's going to benefit the Blue Jackets, but it won't benefit the Leafs.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh y- yeah, I, I think right now you're looking at a late first round pick for the Leafs and in this draft, I mean you're still gonna get a, a solid talent, but it's not gonna be Absolutely. what you what you're expecting. So I think this was the year to trade that first round pick, and we've seen Dubis move up in the draft and find his way back into the first round. Yeah. Uh, look what he did last year. So I mean that alone uh, you know, is telling of what this, this GM is willing to do. And I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stop there for a second on Maple Leafs talk because this is just coming over the wire. But Elliot Freeman is tweeting that Taylor Hall is headed to the Boston Bruins. I um, this. yeah, uh, wow, blow I your fu- blow your fucking socks off on that one because <laughs> Taylor Hall to Boston. There's there's rumors from Darren Dreger as well that. Curtis Lazar could be part of the deal from the Sabres to Boston as well. So this could be another three-team deal uh, that we've been talking about. Obviously, still a lot to come over the wire, but holy shit, this is... Uh, you don't want to run into Boston again in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and basically on the recent episode of the Lease Lounge, I thought that maybe Boston could be in on Taylor Hall because, you know... They've relied so heavily on the perfection line. They wanted to get more secondary scoring. And the fact now that, you know, they got Taylor Hall. I mean, you want to point his production in Buffalo. Yeah, whatever. It was low. But Taylor Hall is still a pretty good player, no matter what. Everyone was hoping that maybe Toronto could get him. Yeah, it would be nice. But they have enough firepower up front. I think he needed to get more of that two-way presence in like he did with Nick Foligno having Taylor Hall on on their roster is going to be great. But now with the injuries to their defense, the goaltending, that's still a bit of a concern right now. But you know what? The Boston Bruins are the Boston Bruins. You know, they play a style. They play heavy. And you know what? I think Taylor Hall is going to probably, you know, regain his form that, you know, he once had. It may not be the same pace, but, you know, he's going to start scoring more than two goals um with the team right now so there's that you put him on the power play especially on that top unit if you can if not he's going to be on the second one but man holy you are right on that that is something um wow
0: yeah and you know what i'm this is not to take away from taylor hall he's a phenomenal player but aside from being able to to acquire his team first round picks um it hasn't been a pretty career for for Taylor Hall. Uh, He obviously has the the MVP award. The teams surrounding him, though, have never really developed into that contender type of team. So, I mean, obviously we talk about Boston and and that top line that they have. For him to go there and be a second liner, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Do you Uh, want to know the return? I would love to know the return. Oh, get ready for this. Um
1: Anders Bjork and a second round draft pick they couldn't even get a first round pick for Taylor Hall Wow ah uh, wow yeah wow uh. <laughs> if this is a good time to record a podcast for reactions folks you are getting it right now
0: you know what though that's a testament to you know he's he at, at this point in time he's a rental. Because yeah. Boston, there's no way that Boston's able to fit him into uh, into the salary cap. Mm-hmm. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Uh, right now, for me, that's a rental. And he. there's no way he signs an extension in Boston. I'm looking
1: at their injured reserve right now. Tuka Rask, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, John Moore,
0: Andre Kasha.
1: That's twenty mil, $20.1 million on injured reserve right now.
0: Can you say Patrick Kane
1: loophole? You can. You can. Toronto's using it. Uh, Tampa Bay's using it. The contenders are using it.
0: That's, uh, yeah. I I really don't know what to say, but uh, I mean, hell of a way to kind of end the podcast on that. Um, I'm not
1: seeing anything about retained salary, but man, the fact that, you could not get a first round pick for Taylor Hall. Says something that you know what? Yeah, they're using the production against them, and they just basically took it hook, line, and sinker.
0: I mean, how much of that though is like Kevin Adams' um, inexperience as a GM?
1: I would say it came into effect because the Leafs paid a first round pick for Nick Felino, and many were thought that Taylor Hall would at least fetch that first. Nope. Not at all,
0: and and it's not even like you're talking about a top end prospect in Anders Bjork. I mean, mm-hmm. what that's what a is he fourth
1: liner wow. right there?
0: Wow, wow, I, I'm, yeah. on, I'm honestly shocked. Like I don't even know. I am sitting here supposed to close out this podcast, and I literally am speechless. Um, <laughs> and,
1: um, here here's my thing too. What's TSN going to do? Yeah, that's all your names off the board. Yeah, you're not going to have a fun trade deadline because everything happened the day before trade deadline day with 14 hours remaining. <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay, well, um, two quick other notes before we close out this um, mess, you know, of a- mess of a <laughs> trade deadline show. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have a trade deadline show next week where we talk about all the trades that didn't happen this past week. But... Um, yeah, two quick notes as well. Victor Mete on waivers for Montreal, um, former London Knight. On yeah. top of that, uh, one milestone I did not mention was that uh, Flower, Marc-Andre Fleury recorded his 66th career shutout, tying Patrick Waugh for 15th most in NHL history. So he just keeps and continually gets it done. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, Hall of Famer, in my books, without question, first ballot. And uh, Taylor Hall, enjoy your time in Boston. Here's my thing. Would you have paid a first-round pick for Taylor Hall if you were Dubas? You know what, though? here Here's my thing. If you're Toronto, you don't need a Taylor Hall. You don't need a Taylor yeah. Hall. Yep, that's the thing. What, what does he add to your lineup that you don't have? You needed a Nick Foligno. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, why I would give up a first-rounder for Nick Felino. I would not have given up a first-rounder for for Taylor Hall. What has he done this year to to show you that he's worth the money that he's making?
1: Yeah. And my thing is this, too. I mean, you have – I mean, you take a look at the Maple Leafs roster right now. Um, you look at the stats. Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Hyman, Hyman Nylander. Your top five are in your top five for scoring. They are getting it done. You have good secondary scoring with Jason Spets at 21 points. Alex Kerfoot, as much as I wanted to maybe try and move him, he's still providing good secondary scoring with 17 points. Nick Foligno is right underneath that with 16. Jake Muzzin on defense, 17 points. Mikheyev is starting to pick up 14 points. Um, you're getting solid contributions throughout the lineup, and your main point producers are your point producers. Would you have liked to get that more offensive punch? Yes. But the Maple Leafs have enough of that. And I can understand why many out there wanted Taylor Hall to try and get that, you know, top six solidified by having Taylor Hall play with Matthews or Tavares. But you know what? They got a good thing going. They're scoring. They're one of the top teams scoring this year. Um, I believe that in terms of goals per game. They're one of the top teams in this league They're I'm pretty sure they're still probably top two. And to try and sacrifice that and try and add more scoring. I don't know if that's still going to work out for them or not.
0: Yeah. I mean, worth, worth noting as well, that uh, Curtis Lazar is headed to, Boston in that deal as well from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I just don't think Taylor Hall fit in Toronto. Um, you know, look, here's the thing: the way I look at it is Hall was brought to Buffalo to make to see if he could carry a line, uh, and, and with Eichel being in and out of the lineup, Hall showed no in a, or showed no ability to carry a line and and make the players around him better. Yeah. Um, you know, Would you want s- that
1: surrounding Matthews and Marner and Tavares if they got a good thing going right now?
0: Yeah, and, and think about this. You've been without Nylander the last couple of games. You're getting him back. You're now getting you've, stuff got, from Galchenyuk. you've got Galchenyuk. Now mm. you've got um, Felino in the mix. Likely the guy that's going to be out of the lineup. You're talking about Bear Banov probably coming out of the lineup. Angval probably coming out of the lineup. Yeah, you're solidified in all four lines at this point. Yeah, this is what I you're need, going to roll with from here on out. Yeah, you don't need a Taylor Hall, and in all honesty, I'm I'm happy that Toronto Maple Leafs did not trade for Taylor Hall, uh, even if the asking price was as low as it was. But man, there, you're telling me there's no other team out there. And you're telling me the Buffalo Sabres wouldn't sit back and wait for a first round pick offer? Yeah. That's what blows my mind. I think that's for me. I mean, trade deadline day started 11 minutes ago, and you traded Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for, for nothing. Honors Bjork and a second round pick.
1: I feel bad for Buffalo.
0: Yeah. I really
1: do. And just looking at the Maple Leafs numbers, what, fifth in goals for 138, and fifth in goals for, for 3.37 per game. When? Yep. Sorry. Oh, no, but, I was just going to say, you don't need Hall.
0: Yeah, and my, I guess my question now, and, I, and I'll leave it here with the Buffalo talk because I've already ripped on them enough tonight. <laughs> but my question becomes, when does Jack Eichel say... See you later. I think this year, at the end of this year, you have to. You have to. It just uh, the Taylor Hall. uh, Ah, I. I... One
1: one more question for you, and this is Leaf related because you know this is a Leaf podcast. To try and steer away from the whole like face palming of what's going on. (laughs) What does Dubis do? And I know that this is going to be me talking to myself right now. Cause this is going to be up after trade deadline, but is there one more move in the books? If not, then everything is done, packed. But if there is another move waiting in the wings for Dubis, man, he
0: he still got he might have something up his sleeve still. Look, Especially, I still think I still think he can move Kerfoot. I I really do, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not a knock on Kerfoot. I think Kerfoot's a good player. I think he's a yeah. solid bottom bottom uh, six. But I, I think, you know, for what he's making, there's there's still a move there for Toronto to make. And yeah. uh, it's not now
1: he could be moved in the offseason or not protected for the expansion draft. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I did, looked at this and thinking that maybe Toronto could look to acquire Scott Lawton. He's exactly like Kerfa, but at a cheaper price. So I don't know if he's going to make a move for you know three c for three c maybe sweeten the pot a little bit more i don't know but hey um whatever happens happens this has been fun
0: yeah god uh (laughs) breaking news on sticks in the six baby um but i want to close it out we've had uh you know tweets of the week for the last couple of episodes but i want to talk about two great moments in sports news Corey Connors, the Canadian, hole in one at the Masters. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Always a great honor to see a Canadian, you know, hole in one like that. I think it was 19, I think they said 1940 or 1960 something when the last Canadian uh, recorded a hole in one at the Masters. Um, Also, if you haven't seen the video of Jake Muzzin rollerblading in his house, please <laughs> please check it out man don't <laughs> skate like that on the ice come playoff time jake just get it I done was just, baby i
1: okay i watched that video about 50 times um but man if he got injured imagine the headlines of what that would have been <laughs> maple Leafs jake muzzin out four to six weeks injured rollerblading in his house Tri- avoids avoid avoids his kid you know avoids the dog man that was something I'm glad I'm glad Muzzin is okay though um I'm, I'm pretty sure his teammates are probably gonna chirp him but hey
0: <laughs> yeah all jokes aside <laughs> laminate flooring and rollerblades don't mix
1: yeah definitely even when you try to save your family it's a dangerous mix
0: yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um, before we close this out, Peter, you got anything for the listeners?
2: <sighs>
1: Check out the trade deadline coverage at the Hockey Raiders right now. Uh, today was a very, very busy day. And whenever something came up, we've been throwing out content and articles and the analysis. Give the articles a read. I've been a part of that uh, with some of the for the Chicago trade. The Maple Leafs, Rally National Foligno. Um, give uh, give everybody else a read. Um, everybody's doing their part so well. And give a, uh, I'm giving a big shout out, out to Brandon, uh, the one running the whole entire project right now for the trade deadline with the tracker, updating it and everything. Brandon Chair Cohen, thank you so much, man. You're doing this fantastic job with this.
0: Yeah, Brandon Sher-Cohen has been a longtime writer at the uh, the Hockey Writers, doing a phenomenal job the way he runs trade deadline. Um, For all of you listening, check out Maple Leafs Lounge on YouTube or on the Hockey Writers Facebook. I've been a part of it. Peter is constantly a part of it. Kevin Armstrong does a phenomenal job hosting, and Mm -hmm. Alex Hobson, always a treat to listen to as well. We got the old prof on there every once in a while to join in. But uh, some great conversation um, going on there as well. As I mentioned before, we're gonna start hitting YouTube, hopefully very, very soon with the Paul Hendrick uh, interview hitting that uh, that channel right away. Um, that said, I think we gotta record more at night here. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm about three beers in. I'm having a great time. I'm loose. I'm feeling you know, free um but yeah all the news coming down here at night and uh i just feel like this is the way that podcasts are supposed to be done i don't know about you but that's that's just my feeling this was fun
1: i'm not gonna lie this is really really fun and like imagine if this was like free age of frenzy
0: man we'll get we'll get there peter we'll get there i
1: don't (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it's going to be the same thing or not but hey Man, this was this was a blast having the having the news roll in and hearing our reactions, especially to the Taylor Hall one. Wow, just yeah, fantastic
0: job. Yeah, thank no, you NHL. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you Boston Bruins for making that ridiculous trade to the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, we 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 are going to be looking at recording at night, uh, hopefully over the next little while. Um, and maybe doing some live shows while we've got the uh, the leaf game going but we'll we'll look into all of that and more yeah aside from that everyone i want to thank you again for joining us for episode 35 of the podcast you guys have all been a treat we've gotten on the uh, top podcast top, top hockey podcast in both canada and the us thank you all thanks to all of you guys listening you can follow peter on twitter at p myself at Andrew G Forbes or the pod at Sticks in the Six, both on Instagram and Twitter. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E-6I-X-P-O-D. Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast to download our latest episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can bring you all kinds of content going forward, like the YouTube channel that will be coming. Until next week, that's it for Peter myself. See you again next week. Have a good one, guys.